0: Hi, I'm Ryan Jennings and this is a Kiwi Original. Today on the show I am joined by Daryl Warren, the Managing Director at Legacy Steel. And we talk about his first year in the steel fabrication business, although he's been in the business and has experience as a steel fabricator for many years, both here and over in Australia. We talk about why he's confident with Legacy Steel to take on complex products and projects that not all fabricators like to do, like the complexity of a Buddhist temple they're currently working on. And we also talk about why Legacy Steel is willing to work across multiple sectors, commercial, residential, and metalworking. It's really insightful and encouraging to hear from someone who cares as much about the built environment, feels, and it looks, as we all should, and for the long-term. Let's take a listen. So, end of 2019, you're working for someone else, and you're thinking about, it's time to go. 2020, I'm gonna start my own thing. Uh, when did you press the button? When did you know, all right, now's now's the
1: the moment to start legacy steel? Um, there wasn't there wasn't really a a moment in time. It was more a gut feel. What was happening with the market? Um, the market had seemed to be sort of starting to slow down a little bit. Um, so it was sort of like a a decision to to have a go now or or, or don't do it at all. You know so. Um, I could see that there was probably still a couple more legs, years of legs in the market. So um, that's why we thought we'd we'd dive into it and, um, and give it a shot and throw everything we've got at it. So that's where we are now.
0: So that was the start of the business in early 2020. We're filming this. We're based in Auckland. There's no shortage of work in Auckland within construction, right? Yep. How, how did you go about deciding where you wanted to, to play with the business, what to price up, what projects to get involved with?
1: Um, during my time um, working, uh, when we came back from Australia, um, we spent a couple of years working for DNH Steel Construction. Um, I could see working with those guys, they're, they're a big player in the market, um, that a lot of the, the small items on projects. Um builders were struggling to get someone to do a couple of plates or a beam here because uh, we were such a big big business that it was there's a lot of management and doing all the little bits and pieces. so we needed to just keep focusing on getting the structure up and and moving forward. Uh, so I could see there was a need on multiple projects then for a, a little guy to come in and and help out with that sort of stuff. Uh, so that really gave me my first idea that, there's a, there's a market there for that, just helping people with all the stuff that other fabricators either can't or won't do. Um, so I knew that there was a, a baseline of work there that we could get our teeth into.
0: That's interesting. So you, you knew that for most steel fabricators, they're interested in putting up the, the frames after the foundations go in, but all the little jobs around it, are they too picky? Are they too complex? Are there, is there, it's the rats and mice rather than the, the cream of the job. Is that why you, you thought, hey, that's the thing I can focus on, is take away that problem from other steel fabricators?
1: Yeah, that's right. It sort of helps the builder out and, and the other steel fabricators. Um, you, can, you can finish a job and then six months later, they've still got bits and pieces to do everywhere. Um, so that was, that was what really sort of led us to the thinking, well, we can help solve this problem. Um, we've got the expertise that we can manage all these little bits and pieces. Um, it lets the other guys get on with what they're good at, um, and lets the builder have a solution to, to doing all these bits and pieces. So yeah, that's that was why we thought there's a bit of hole in the market we could fill there. So that got
0: you started. Now, looking out at your workshop just before we started interviewing, These do not look like small jobs. These look like large trusses, large infrastructure. I've seen on your website too. These aren't small projects. Talk me through some of the the scale of the projects you've done in this very short time of the first 12 months of your trading.
1: Yeah, Um, well, they're sort of in a similar boat that uh, we're doing the the Korean Buddhist temple in Riverhead at the moment. Um, It's a very complex structure. Um, The architect there found they had the same problem. Um, They went to numerous different companies, uh, weren't able to get people to price it, and in the end there's only a couple of us that were willing to try and tackle the job. Um, We presented well, Uh, we went to meetings and talked through the job, how to do it from start to finish, and that basically sold us to them and uh, that's how we ended up with, with that sort of a job. Um, And likewise with other jobs, we end up helping out with a few bits and pieces. Um, The builder really enjoys dealing with us. Next job comes up, can you price this one? Of course we can. And then we end up sort of working into some of the bigger work. So it's only by being there to help really that um, is leading us into this other work. Um, We're not really going out hunting for it as such. It's basically finding its way to us. Do you think that's because you're not scared or um, are shying away
0: from that complex work that others may not want to to touch because it doesn't fit what they want to
1: do? Yeah, yeah. like, like both fabricators will have a preference, they'll either want to do commercial, they stick to residential, or they're a metal worker. Um, as you can see on our website, we're sort of willing to do everything. So. Um, yeah, we haven't really pigeonholed ourselves as being one kind of thing. Um, I don't really want to do that. We, if someone needs help with something and we've got capacity, um, we're here to, to make steel and that's, that's what we'll do, you know. I love that. We're here to make <laughs> steel and that's what we'll do. If yeah. there's
0: fabrication involved, erecting on site, you'll make a habit.
1: Yeah, yeah, basically. There's, a, there's always a way. Some jobs are harder than others. Um, I've got a lot of experience. We've got a lot of experience here in the workshop. Um, So, you know, if I don't have an idea, we put our heads together and come up with a plan, talk to the builders, talk to the engineers, architects. um, Everyone, you know, when you approach things from that manner, you get a really good response. And uh, even the consultants and everything form more of a team and we come up with a solution that suits everyone and and get it done. Because there is, there's a lot of people involved in pitching for work, getting that
0: work done and then bringing it all on site to construct it. Where does the, the steel fabrication part sit within the, the trades when a building's going up?
1: Um, so that, that's sort of each, each element, I guess, is a bit different. Commercial steel work, uh, basically the footings will go down and then you're on critical path. You need to get the steel up, maintain program for all the other trades that will come behind you. Um, You'll get into a routine, all the other trades will know how fast you're putting up and it's all geared around the the critical path of the program. Things like metalwork and that, uh, it's more of a job's up now, now you've got to fit all the pretty stuff um, at the end of it. So that's more right at the tail end of the job and generally you don't have much time left on the program so you're still critical path at that point. Residential jobs, we find the residential builders a little bit more flexible. Um, you know they're working in with timber, they're able to do framing here while the steel comes for this portion, um, and you know it's got its own element depending on the design that's not quite as critical path.
0: So you've got some options on site depending if it's commercial or residential on the commercial side, there's a run rate to keep to if you're you're putting up the the frames roofers have to work in behind you, whereas if you're putting in, what is it, staircases and balustrades, you can kind of work around the other trades. Would that be right?
1: Yeah, that would be right. Um, a lot of the time with the metalwork you need to have uh, you know other things finished. Um, so if you're putting a stair in, the builder will have the mezzanine floor built or the first story of a house, and then you can come in and put the stair and handrails in. So you're sort of more on the tail end of things things need to be a lot more finished. If you try and uh, jump ahead too much with metal work, a lot of people finish in around you, they damage it. So it's normally best to be left as long as possible and then slip in at the end and smash it out. Now the
0: name Legacy Steel, where did that come from?
1: Um, It sort of came from uh, a trip to Europe that me and my wife had taken uh, while I was in Australia. we travelled to Europe and saw buildings like the Eiffel Tower in Paris and the Burj Khalifa in, in Dubai. And uh, it just made me think what sort of monuments we build as uh, people in construction um, and what legacy we sort of leave with the work that we do. Um, so that's sort of what gave me the idea of Legacy Steel. Um, we, we've got a, a, on our brand in creating legacies in steel. So it's creating the legacies for people that need something built. Uh, the legacy we have with our employees, our suppliers, the friendships, the relationships. So it's got a couple of meanings to the word legacy, but it sort of came from just being in construction and the, you know, what we leave behind once we finish a job. And it is
0: a huge amount, isn't it? Because when you're working on a build, those builds are around for you know, at least 20 years, probably 50 or more when it comes to steel work. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the, the team side of it because you did mention it there. So when you started this, it was just you and your wife, Christy, and then what's happened since then in terms of Legacy Steel's team?
1: So we, uh, we started off basically just working out of a container, um, working with it within a friend's existing business. He had an engineering business. Uh, building containers and things like that Um, so he was happy to to let me work out of his facility I would give him some subcontract work and that's how the we sort of started out getting the jobs done Um, within the first sort of six months um, we really needed to get out of his business he was had other things and priorities Um, and so we decided to make the move into our own facility Um, employed guys and employed guys and we've just recently employed some more guys and the team's just growing from there. So, um, yeah, we've just we've just sort of added to it as as we've needed to. Um, We're sort of getting to the size we probably want to be. We don't want to be the the biggest or baddest fabricator in New Zealand. Um, We want to get to a size that we can, you know, help people. We can do some decent sized jobs, um, have a close knit sort of a team. You know, do a job, do it well. Um, we don't want to be the, the next next in Engineering or DNH. We we just want to sort of do enough to keep everyone in the job and not rock the boat with everyone else too much. <laughs> on that
0: journey, is you know, hiring is a is a big commitment because you're taking on someone um, and they've got their own bills to pay. Yep. Did you ever get nervous that you will know, we'll, we have enough work to? cover these new team members? Or did you wait until you had side of the work before hiring, hoping that you'd get people to be able to deliver? Like, how did you balance those, those two things?
1: It's, it's probably been a bit of both. Um, we, we have secured a lot of work before we've needed to, to employ people. Um, but every time we employ someone that's, you know, you have that thought, you know, are we gonna have the work going on for the next year or two? Um, In our industry, if you've got work sort of three to six months out, you're doing relatively well. Um, So you never really have two years' work planned ahead and have that peace of mind. So it's a constant process of of pricing all of the time. Um, So we've got a a person that works with us, um, part-time pricing work for us. Um, You just have to be in the market and and keep on pricing to keep it coming in. but we've got confidence and our abilities to, to do as well or, or better than anyone else. So um, we've just got to you know stick to what we we know that we're good at and and uh, and keep keep our foot in the in the pricing game. So, which is very
0: important and it must be working. I was looking on your uh, website to look at some of the the client wins you've had, and uh, you know, if there's not one of these I don't recognise. Uh, What's some of the the projects if New Zealand made fans are watching this and you know it would be driving around Auckland, what are some of the the things they'd recognize in the legacy steel work that you've done?
1: So the um, there are some projects on our website that are projects I've personally been involved in but legacy steel hasn't necessarily uh, fabricated and erected Um, but I've got them on there basically to show the the base that we're able to 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 manage that sort of project. So one of the the projects I'm really proud of in my past um, is the Sylvia Park Cone. Um, So if you go to Sylvia Park Shopping Centre, right in front of the cinemas, there's a big cone-shaped structure uh, that's supposed to represent uh, one of the cones of the volcanoes around Auckland. Um, I did that project probably 15 or 20 years ago uh, with Auckland Steel. The the design the consultants had at the time uh, wasn't able to be made in New Zealand, a lot of sections and and the way they had wanted to form them uh, needed to be done in Australia. So we worked with the consultants there to basically redesign the cone um, to to something we could do here, to do it for a price point um, for the client Um, and and it's still there today. It's one of those monuments that, that I'm proud of and that will be there for another you know, 15 or 20 or 30 years, so um, that's probably one, one project that a lot of people will be able to relate to. Um, there's plenty of apartment buildings and things like that around town that we've, we've been involved with, but, you know, there's this, Auckland Skyline's changed a lot in the last 15 years, so um, they've just become one of the many.
0: New Zealand-made Kiwi trademark is relied upon by over 1,500 New Zealand businesses to gain a market origin advantage in the markets they operate, both domestically and internationally. Check to see if the good service or software that you make is eligible at buynz.org.nz. A
1: lot of places, uh, even multi-storey buildings. have gone from concrete to steel in the last uh, 15 or 20 years for the seismic right. reasons. Um, steel's a lot more flexible and able to, to handle the earthquakes a lot better than most other products. Um, but the timber in itself is starting to make a little bit of a resurgence and I think that's nearly more of a decorative aesthetic thing mm. than a performance thing. Um, but they're making their own inroads with uh, laminated products and different products that offer better strength and better spans and all those sorts of things. So I think yeah, steel and steel and houses is is nearly seismic and a and aesthetic preference, you know. You joined New Zealand Made in 2020,
0: which is quite a crazy year for many. Um, what what was the reason for for joining and and putting New Zealand Made uh, on what you do?
1: Um, I've always been a, a big advocate for, for buy local. Um, I think since COVID sort of struck um, and all the issues it's caused around the world and um, you know, with the global economy and um, that I wanted to try and be part of something to, to try and promote people buying locally. Um, we support local uh, suppliers and contractors as much as possible. Um, where we can, we look at where things are coming from um, to try and support buying New Zealand-made products. It's quite difficult, obviously. Um, most of everything's coming out of China these days. But we do try and make an effort to to make sure that somewhere in the supply chain, you know, that New Zealand's getting a benefit out of it. So all of those little things, um, I think, help return, keep the money in New Zealand and keep it in our economy and, and keep it strong.
0: What's the type of skills and attitude that uh, you need to be a great team member at
1: Legacy Steel? Um, The the attitude is the first thing. Um, We we like people with a can-do attitude. Um, Bubbly personalities can have a bit of a joke. Um, But likewise, uh, we test them all um, for their abilities. They can fabricate accurately. They can weld to spec. Um, so there's a there's sort of like a personal aspect to it, and then obviously their skills. Um, so every every person we sort of look at it from that point of view, how are they going to fit with the rest of the team? Um, we have a monthly event where we all go and have some nibbles and some drinks together. Um, so we like to try and keep it pretty close knit, and you know our, our team is our family. We spend so much time here at work that they are an extended family. So. You want to make sure that, you know, they're going to gel well with the rest of the crew. It's such a big thing because you're,
0: you're dealing with, you know, big infrastructure, really big scale projects in terms of opportunity and risk and also all the other parties that have to work around your team so have a, a good tight-knit community means you guys can hit those goals, hit those targets and do it in a, in a fun way, right, with, yeah. you know, work's not always fun but if you've got a great team it can make it a, a lot more enjoyable particularly on those hard days.
1: Yeah exactly if, if you're getting on well with the with the site manager on site um, you know if you're not butting heads if you're all in the can have a look at things lightly and but you know still a, still approach doing the job professionally um, it makes what is a hard industry uh, a lot more bearable so. Where to from here 2021 what's What's your, um, you know,
0: I saw on your, your Facebook page, you did a, it was like a two or three minute video of all the jobs you had done through 2020, and there was a lot of projects in there. I, I watched the three minutes and was surprised just how much you got through. Um, what does success look like if you were to do another one of those videos at the end of
1: 2021? Um, I think the goal this year is to basically, we're, we're established in the workshop, um, you know, get a, get a good crew going here, um, gets consistency of work, so uh, keeping a decent forward workload, keeping all of the guys busy and safe. Um, probably a little bit of a little bit more growth, um, but yeah, as I said before, we don't we don't want to be going and being the biggest guy around. Um, so we'll want to be able to to get consistent, do it well, keep offering a, a service to our clients. Um, that's, that's a big thing for me to, to keep helping with where people need it, you know. I think that's a great
0: message to end on. Thank you very much for your time today, Daryl, and uh, I appreciate you sharing what Legacy Steel is all about, and I'm sure the Auckland landscape will see some of that impact over the coming years with the types
1: of structures you're building. Yeah, cool. Thanks very much for coming out. You're welcome.
0: That's it for another episode of A Kiwi Original. Remember to subscribe on the podcast or on YouTube to receive the next episode. If you got value from this episode, please share it with someone you think could benefit. See you next time. One of the big things we had right from this that was We're
1: going to push that it's New Zealand made. New Zealand made carries a lot of weight outside New Zealand. People don't realise that. Well you're by New Zealand and uh, we were really motivated by your professionalism at the outset when we first contacted you and that gave us the confidence to reach out to the rest of the New Zealand community to support this. We'll get two,
0: three, four, five inquiries every day from people and
1: the, and the only question is, are your product made in New Zealand? You know, they don't want to know anything else. We knew there was demand in the market for uh, a New Zealand made product, firstly, a natural New Zealand made product. We have got New Zealand made. That was the first thing I signed up to. I was really proud of that and um, you're very welcoming. So thank you, Ryan. I think it's very, very important to sell in New Zealand as a New Zealand-made product. Originally, we were having to import components from overseas. It wasn't until we shifted to our carbon fiber model that we were able to say that the product was made in New Zealand. And that was a huge, it was sort of a big goal for me. I wanted to have complete control over the manufacturing of it. Definitely, it's something that we've been belonged to right from the beginning and it's just put trucks, especially New Zealanders, into our product. We've noticed recently, people have become so much more discerning about they will upfront and say to you, is it really made here? And not have to rely on other countries and important components, especially in times like these, I'd, I'd, be, I'd have no stock. Being up to front up to that and show your logo and say, well, you know, I don't think a lot of people understand that you have to have a license to show that logo. We have also New Zealand made on some of our other brands selling overseas. And it's something that people are looking for. The little triangle has been a part of our brand for a long time. Is that an investment or is it a cost? Now, can, we, can we spend it, given on what's going on? I know no, it's actually good value for us. Yeah, we, we are a Kiwi company. We are proudly Kiwi.
0: And it instantly had a, a fruitful conversation, without any dancing around or holding back, or everything came out. And that was that was part of the why it was so valuable. And so the best way to do that is to, to join the Buy New Zealand Made campaign,
1: right? So I basically will see on any of my social media sites, yeah, you know, I put the Buy New Zealand Made logo. I plaster on everything I can plaster on. But just being able to prove to people that it is New Zealand made and that we've got a story, it's great. You know, pretty proud to be able to do that.